0: Welcome to the Summit Up Podcast. This is where we talk about movies, shows, games, and whatever the heck we want. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, and YouTube. I'm John, and I'm joined by my good friend Chris, and we are your co-hosts for the day. Chris, how are you doing?
1: Excellent. Very excellent. Just watched a, a terrible EA Play live. I thought it was awful, but I did get to see gameplay for the new Star Wars um, that was the only good thing. But besides that, the conference is garbage.
0: <laughs> you had a very different night than me. I just watched what the or one of the latest seasons episodes of Thirteen Reasons Why, and am just emotionally drained. Ooh. So ooh, that
1: is a very deep and heavy topic.
0: Yeah, we're we're t- coming at this from different angles here. Yeah, so, we are. So today, I wanted to, um, and kind of in the vein of what we talked about, like month ago maybe um just i wanted to talk about something that we both are like that we both have enjoyed and we both love um and money <laughs> oh don't wait, have was, enough of was that was that not it okay never mind oh so close um but uh i, I think a lot of the themes from the show are really relevant even in today's time um so i wanted to talk about uh, avatar the last Air- airbender yay um, it, I mean, it's been out obviously for, what, 15 years now or something, mm-hmm. um, but it's kind of gotten a sixth or seventh life at this point uh, on Netflix recently. So a lot of people are checking it out again and are falling back in love with it. And I'm going through a re- rewatch right now. I just finished up season two today and uh, just really wanted to kind of hit on some of the stuff that uh, I've, been, I've been seeing in it. But let me ask you, first of all, um, do you remember when you first saw this show and kind of like how you initially felt about it?
1: Uh, yeah, I uh, if I can remember, I think um, it either started, uh, when did it come out, 2003 is when it started?
0: Uh, something like that. Yeah, somewhere in yeah. early 2000s.
1: Yeah, so uh, I would have been in middle school when it came out and it was or maybe it was 2004 2005 but either way it would have been middle school um i really loved the show i really loved the aesthetic and it was something different and i that was my introduction to it and then i did a a second watch through when like in college like i found like they came up with the legend of korra I was like, let mm-hmm. me watch The Last Airbender. And I found, like, the Nickelodeon site where you can watch the last or, like, or some torrent of whatever of all the shows. And I watched it because Nickelodeon doesn't believe that Avatar is a good show and has done everything to stifle the creative process. And now that it's on Netflix, Nickelodeon can realize how stupid they are um, <laughs> because Nickelodeon is stupid because they think everything needs to be Spongebob, which Spongebob is also a great show, but, you know avatar transcends spongebob in such a unique and beautiful way um and i really enjoyed i think that show is extremely important and it's a for not only like younger audiences i think it's also important for like adults too to look into
0: yeah absolutely and like so when you're thinking about the show and kind of like the overarching themes of it what are like two or three of the main themes that you can think of off the top of your head Oh
1: boy um themes uh definitely uh there's a sense of growing into one's destiny and you could see mm-hmm. that through Ang where he's like he's his destiny is to be the avatar and you know he kind of runs away originally because of the responsibility and like everything he has to give up and it's it's a lot, and it, it ends up saving his life. You know, uh, I'm mean, to him. I I love this idea of like of the growth and like a huge theme is growth, growing up, like going becoming a kid to an adult, and they tackle that, and also they uh, they tackle a lot of gender theme uh, issues, where you know Katara. Is seeing you know, women don't water bend when she gets to the northern the northern water tribe and she defies it, you know she becomes a powerful water bending master and that that also coincides with Toph, who's a blind little girl who learns to metal bend and she becomes the greatest you could say the greatest earthbender aside from Boomy, and it's about overcoming your your deficiencies and even Sokka his arc where he thinks he needs to be a man all the time that he needs to protect everyone. He's the weakest of the group until he learns when, Oh wait, well you've seen the whole series before, right?
0: Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah this Sokka, is going to be filled with spoilers. So. Yeah.
1: This is filled with spoilers when Sokka in season three eventually like learns from, I think it's Ping out and he, you know beats gets his sword his meteorite sword and he decides to become a strategist i mean if it wasn't for Sokka, you know combustion man would kill them you know because he hits him right in the head with the boomerang and he kills himself uh yeah combustion man and it you know Sokka leads into that role of just being the strategist and not having to be like the fighter he even gets joked like dunked on several times you know, those are growing. Growing up is definitely one of them. Finding one's own purpose and destiny, and then you know, if I were to, I, that, those are the two major themes. I can't really think of a third one. Um, but yeah, those are the ones that strike out that are that strike me. Uh, oh, uh, oh, revenge, with Zuko, and yeah. uh, you know, having to having to. It goes back to destiny, but it's about you know when someone wants something for you it's about what do you want you know Zuko is trying to regain his uh the graces of his father and he just you know his uncle is trying to support him be like you don't think far enough you know that scene in in season two when he finds Appa and he's just chastising him because he's like you don't know what to do next what are you gonna do with the avatars bison and he and he's just like what are you going to zoo Zuko Prince Zuko And that is a a powerful moment because later on in season three, he joins the avatar, someone he was trying to kill and Mm -hmm. he
0: changes. It's great. Yeah. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about Zuko a little bit more. Let's start. Let's start a little strong. So obviously in season one, his entire identity is in his mind, at least formed around um, regaining his honor and having to hunt down the avatar who, up until that, f- the the events of C- of episode one um, was basically thought to be dead. Um, they there was no evidence that he was ever going to come back, that there was going to be another one, or that there was one in the world at the time. But he was going on this impossible mission to regain his honor because that was what he defined himself by. Um, was his the way his father viewed him? Um, he didn't really have any kind of sense of identity of self or self-confidence really in that way um he had no no foundation to stain on like everything that he thought of himself was were, were things that were Im- imprinted on him from other people um there was just a little bit of of hope shining through from his mother that really i think resonated in the future seasons um, oh yeah and his mother's the his, whole reason he's actually alive because he should have been killed yeah yeah exactly um and so is like as far as like following his arc through season two you get into the events where he did like you said like he freed Appa he chose the better path and in doing so literally made him physically ill and he had to fight through this sickness of starting to chip away at his own identity and how he saw himself and who he wanted to be as a man and not defined by other people but on his own terms, in his own way, and how to be a good person when basically all of the influences in his life that he thought were important, like his sister and his father, um, were from evil people. Um, and I, I, I mean, like I think about that in in like anyone else's like actual day to day life, and I mean like. <laughs> do you think like that do you think like that zuko's experience is relatable in that like you you define yourself by a certain thing for for so long and then when you start to make changes and redefine yourself um like has there been a moment in your life where that's happened and and like how did you respond how did you come through the other side what was that like metamorphosis experience like for you Oh, boy, what a loaded
1: question. Um, (laughs) uh, Well, I say that because I very much relate to the Zuko issue when it comes to the paternal part of his life, and I won't get too deep in it for me, but it is is one of those things where, you know, someone has high, 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 and almost unrealistic standards for another human being or something that you don't even... These these expectations that are set upon Zuko is like, hey, you have to find the Avatar, also kill him, and it's like, if you want to be back into the family and back out of exile, which it's, wow, one of father figure. Um, and that's the thing about Zuko is, is that, you know, it is relatable to a lot of people. It's relatable to me, and I find of his arc, his arc is the longest one I think of the series, and I think it's probably the one that you know online people freaking love zuko because it it is a part of that growing up process of finding out you know what do you want to do and that does resonate with a lot of people when they are young so when you're a middle schooler like myself growing up with this or if you're in high school or if you're a young adult trying to figure it out like this is a great story about you know it's not necessarily about what everyone else wants it's like what do you want and and in this it seems like Zuko makes the switch because he doesn't want to be what his sister or what his father want he wants to live he wants to have a a meaningful life and he decides that all the wrongs that he did he takes it upon himself to fix that you know it's not Mm -hmm. his identity is to not hunt the avatar but to help the avatar to atone for all the wrongs he has made very powerful i love it yeah
0: yeah absolutely i mean i i think you're right i think his arc is the one that it seems like people nowadays especially really resonate the most with mm-hmm. um and i yeah i mean what i i, I just would thinking about it a lot today and i think i would like to identify them the most with iroh because like i know we've talked about this before but like I I really try and strive for that like mentor kind of position and like helping other people around me like just like that's like my ideal world of like just what I want to strive towards um, but I, I think I think s- defining your own self-identity is probably one of the most relatable themes of anything just because at some point we all have to go through a phase in our life where we were told by our parent we're like we're raised by our parents to a certain degree and then we get that independence and we can choose to either stay in that stay in that lane and if it maybe that's how you want to define yourself is by the influences of your of your parents and the your family that you grew up with or do you take a new direction and do you do you forge your own path um maybe maybe drastically different, maybe just a little different than how you were raised and, and what you initially thought your, your life would be. Um, well, his, I, I, his, his arc, you know,
1: when you say that, um, he's raised on this idea of hate and revenge, and I think that's a really big um, point to what's going on today. It was a big thing when it happened, when it came out, but I believe more so in today's age, that idea of, like, you know, uh you know you have to kill the avatar and find him and and the fire nation is superior to all else it's like kind of kind of scary when you think it kind of you know nazi-ish if you think about that because it it also goes back to most media portrays like like star wars like where the empire was kind of portrayed to be nazi-esque it's similar with the fire nation um and you know it goes back to this you know like this veil of hate and revenge and him walking
0: away from that is a very powerful thing. So then let's talk about that. Let's talk about the theme of, of redemption. Um, do you, do you think that everyone can be redeemed or do you think that, um, do you think that that's accessible by most people? Do I
1: think now, do you, are you talking about, you're talking about in society, right?
0: Yeah, and and let's for simplicity simplicity's sake, let's say we're not talking about like any heinous crimes or anything. We're just talking about, um, let's let's just talk about like an average life. Um, yeah, nothing too crazy. Do you think that? Um, do you think that someone can strive no matter what their their circumstances may be for somebody like you or me? But like, do you think that redemption is possible for anybody?
1: In that context, yes. Um, when it doesn't come to heinous crimes, uh, absolutely. Because you know, in order to be human, you have to make mistakes. No one is perfect, and I think that's one of the things that we forget as being human is, is that, like, you know, hey, people aren't perfect. You know, and sometimes people don't do things for nefarious reasons. They just do it from an uneducated or rather naive, and there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, or they might do it from a different point of view, in which we. You know, there's that cliche saying that's like, you know, God gave you two ears and one mouth for a reason, and that's true. You know, you gotta listen, you gotta take it from a different path, and you know, um, redemption is so important to learning about these different things. And I'll parallel that to something that I learned a few years ago. Now, this is about to get very heavy, but you know, you talked about heinous crimes, you know, pedophiles, um, and what they do to children. I think is disgusting, and you know a lot of people have strong opinions like death penalty and all that stuff uh, but I saw an article I th- believe it was two years ago talking about um, the mental health of these people and how some have a hard time going to psychiatrists or psychologists and when they do go there they discuss the, the sickness that they have for being you know attracted to little kids and for those who did do it like it helped their mental state to get it out. And like psychologists are like weirded out by it. And it was such a fascinating article where it's like talking about it prevented them from doing something. Do I still think it's disgusting? Absolutely. But I think getting to understand this, I'll say it. I think it's an illness. Getting to understand this illness of this pedophiles helps you maybe direct them away from it. And that's the thing is like, when we don't understand something, it's easier to vilify it. I think so. Mm-hmm. I in this country and across the world, it's like, you know, if you, if you do something to your child, you know, people are like death penalty. And I, I, I teeter around that as well, where it's just like, you know, you touch kids, you do something awful, something awful should come your way too. And maybe that's an extreme view, but reading that article kind of set me a little bit off balance to be like, well, You know, maybe we should think of it from a mental illness and maybe talking to them and going through these perversions, we can prevent them from 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 acting on it. And maybe we can save them to get away from it. Kind of like not that it's similar, but, you know, with alcohol, there's AA meetings, you know. Mm where it's like alcohol is really terrible or someone's like i've been sober for 20 years people clap it's really great or someone's like i had a drink the other day i feel terrible and trying to lift up those people like i imagine that people with this other illness you know you know when we talk about redemption it's you know you gotta understand the other side to maybe fix it as hard as it is and maybe for super heinous crimes they're we can learn something from understanding it and asking why we could still have the same punishments. It could still be very, very wrong where there is no redemption. But I think there is, there is a benefit to understanding why and asking those questions and digging deeper into it.
0: Exactly. Yeah. That, that seeking to understand and striving for the context of, of the situation and the environment and just to bring it back to the show, um, <laughs> sorry, I, sorry for that. that t- yeah, <laughs> it's it's just so yeah, you know we we're just gonna it's, steer It's up just, the just such an interesting. And-
1: it's just a, such an interesting topic, and it goes like the redemption with Zuko. It's just uh mm. like you talk about people can be redeemed. You know, not in the heinous context, but maybe even in the heinous context. You know, like this re- redemption is just such a nice thing. It's it's a hero story. It, it's like you know, it, it's half of a hero story. You know. Like they do something really, really bad and then they become the good guy and redeem themselves. That's, that's, oh, people love that shit.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, like when you, like, like I said, like just bringing it back to that show, like you think about how, let's take, let's take Zuko and Katara for a second. You had Zuko who, um, who lost his mother when his father, uh, took over the fire nation and his mother was trying to protect him and she ran away uh, uh, to get away from everything. Um, and then you have Katara, whose mother was killed by the Fire Nation because she was trying to protect her daughter by saying that Katara was not a bender, that she was. And so the Fire Nation took her instead um, because they were seeking out waterbenders, um, uh, which I'll, I've got a whole other theory that I had read recently that I thought was really interesting we might talk about later. But... Um, you have this moment at the end of season two where Katara and Zuko finally sit down together and they both up until that point have never understood each other. They they hate each other for the most part. I mean, just from what's seen on screen. And then they they have this moment, like this Martha Batman v Superman moment. Oh, where, God. <laughs> where they realize that they both have lost their mothers because of the Fire Lord and... They have this shared experience together. And so from there, like they have this foundation of context and understanding with each other that they have um, like survivor's guilt almost um, that they can share an an experience with each other. And it's through that that I think Zuko really starts to gain his redemptive momentum uh, with uh, that group of people because Katara understood him and she can vouch for him at that point basically by saying like, he is a broken man, but there is good and there is hope in him and I think he just needs to be encouraged in the right direction to get it out,
1: yeah, because then uh, he instantly betrays them in the like <laughs> in the last episode
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like and that's the other really interesting thing is that it even though you know that Zuko is on a redemptive arc at that point, it doesn't show a perfect arc like he like I, it's so beautiful in the sense that it it reinforces the idea that like, even though you may strive to be better, you're still going to stumble. Like, You will never make uh, the right choice 100% of the time. And even if you think you're on the right path, something may come along that that brings you right back down to where you were. But you can still, even despite faltering like that, you can still get back up and go down where you want to be and identify as who you want to identify as and that's the beautiful thing like he he had that temptation from his sister of saying your destiny is in your hands now i'm going to let you decide but if you choose to come back with me you will be forgiven your honor will be restored because you earned it today and we may have that voice in our head that says like uh uh-uh, uh nope just stay on this path you can make it right it's your choice this is what you want to do and the it, it's that illusion of choice but Eventually, he figured out what he really wanted to be and he chose to get back on the right track um and i don't know man like that just that idea of faltering and yet redeeming yourself is just really really amazing to me well let me
1: normally relate that society society with some of these arts that we have which is why it's such a beautiful story how do you think the faltering and like going back to your ways um what we have today with cancel culture do -hmm. you think that could be something to learn from in today's society is like the zuko arc where hey while you're trying to get good you might falter and make some mistakes does that mean we have to completely ruin someone like i'm curious what what your thoughts on in that parallel
0: i mean i think again it's about understanding the context and understanding their intentions um because i i mean like i think it's so easy with with today's culture to jump on a bandwagon that you don't fully understand what this person's motives are or where their heart is and i'm not saying that like everybody who's been quote unquote canceled should be like restored back to the former glory or whatever because i think that some people are just being held responsible for their actions but um I think that to to just blindly say, this person deserves um, what is happening to them right now, they deserve to be hurt, basically, um, without fully understanding where their heart is at or where their head is at, um, I think limits their own opportunities to be redeemed and to seek redemption. And it, it reinforces this idea of they are nothing And there's no hope for them but I think if we took the time to to fully understand the context like you think okay so think about what happened with um, Johnny Depp and Amber Heard uh, oh my gosh initially like initially everybody was against Johnny Depp because he he was uh, he, he was domestic abuse he all these things came out against him but we, th- we we thought we understood the context, but eventually the truth started coming out and it was Amber that was found to be like this horrible person that had been manip- manipulating him and the system this whole time. And so I think it's so easy to jump on a bandwagon because you think it sounds heroic to say this person deserves this. But I... Uh, unless you take the time to fully understand the situation, there's no way you can make a hundred percent the right call about something. Um, which I think is just, like I said, like just reinforced with what goes on in the show. And, um, mm-hmm. I think more people should just open their eyes and pay attention to what is happening. Yeah.
1: I, you know, for the record, for the record, I was in the, the Johnny Depp corner. Um, from the beginning of that only because a radio station in chattanooga actually was talking about the accounts of people um people like the security guards and they were talking about it uh, they were disputing an account by amber heard and they were like none of that happened and it's like can you believe like this account of these people who'd been around the couple and it's completely just no one talks about it um at all no one gets their accounts or no one pays attention to it because you know in this country originally it was like uh innocent until proven guilty but now with this culture it's guilty and proven innocent and yeah i I think it's interesting that i love the avatar story so much going back to the show is that zuko falters and instead of going like gosh you are the worst human in the being you know on the planet we instead are like you were so close man come on like there's a difference between hate and disappointment and mm-hmm. those two emotions are very different for for an audience um at least that's what I felt maybe other people got that way but I remember talking with friends who had watched it you know and people were still like team Zuko like going into season 3 very they're like they he's gotta be saved by Iroh some way you know um
0: so yeah, yeah, and like I think with, with TV shows like that we have the benefit of of like seeing it objectively and saying like well they're teeing up a redemptive arc. So of course they're going to follow it. But it's so much harder to do that in real life and apply that same mindset to what goes on every day even if it's the exact same situation of of saying, "Well, like or recognizing at least that they're trying to redeem themselves, but we're not letting them." So Why don't we allow them to be better? Why don't we encourage the good behavior? And um, like I don't know, man. Like I was talking with my mother in law about all this stuff the other day, and and this idea of we don't focus on the rehabilitation of people, we focus on the punishment as a society. Um, But I I think that's like it. Just it's this universal idea of. Like as a, as a society, do we want to be the type of people to to just say no down with them, they deserve punishment, um, make them make them suffer, or do we want to help encourage each other to be better despite our flaws and faults that we all have?
1: Well, I think that goes back to what you originally said, which is a great point of like what's the what's the context? Because you have people in America who go to jail for nonviolent crimes like you know or for drugs but not hard drugs it's like oh marijuana and all this stuff and it's like oh come on you know and it's like yeah are they really are, when they go to prison are they being rehabilitated is that a thing um you know what's their in, con, in, what is their intent what is their context are they selling drugs you know marijuana to make a living because it's so hard to 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 have a normal job Or to have a job, not even normal. Like, have a job, support yourself, support your kids, or whatever you have. You know, is it that you sell drugs because it's easier or it's more convenient? Or, you know, you think about the intent of people like Bernie Madoff who, like, embezzled so much money, you know, in the mid-2000s. You know, Bernie Madoff took money from thousands of people. Like, millions of money. I don't know if it was in the billions. It might have been. Let's say for the for the sake of fact just way too much money this guy embezzled and put into his own account and then he gets to go to prison and be like in a nice prison you know there's it doesn't seem like this rehabilitation just like hey you're gonna be in the cell this nice cell away from other people who might hurt you and it's like good for you or his wife who goes to house arrest who knows exactly what her husband is doing it's just you know what is the intent because i would believe because for me it seems like you know if you have a drug if you're doing drug offense and selling drugs because life is difficult you know maybe it should be a little bit of easier process but if you're out there like stealing millings from people and you know the intent and you have a comfortable life either either way it just seems the scales of it are off balance because the intent and the context is different this is a man who's taking things away from people. Their their savings that they're going to use for their retirement one day, you know, so they don't have to rely on social security or to leave something for the kids, and it's all taken away. Where this other mm. guy is just selling drugs, not to take anything away from somebody, but to get his own living, you know, you know. And and let's say it's marijuana. Obviously, cocaine is a different thing, and meth is, oof, you know, those are really terrible drugs. So maybe in the tent of someone selling that, it's a little bit worse but when it comes to marijuana it's like it's it's not it's not bad you know it's not gonna it's not gonna hurt you so what's the difference between why is the person who's being put in this normal jail cell where it might be terrible and this guy who gets like a sweet or some nice prison sentence you know Mm -hmm. that's the intent John and I think that's really you bring that point up and I think it's a beautiful way to juxtapose the idea of punishment versus rehabilitation
0: yeah yeah I mean it's i don't know i it just it's something to think about and that i think should be discussed more especially with today's culture and kind of figure out your your stance on it and how you want to be as a person and where what your views should be um but i want to talk about something a little bit lighter (laughs) we keep on we keep on like we keep on getting the shovels and digging into the hole
1: we got to get out
0: okay well let's try this so let's talk about death um oh yeah great yeah, uh, so uh, we can talk. About, we can come at this from a couple different angles here. So, the first way that I think that this overarching theme of death in the show is is handled is um, let's let's look at it from Ang- Ang's perspective of um, to for him and his destiny that's laid out in front of him. He has to kill someone to save the world, basically. Like he in his mind and the way that he is raised you can't just imprison the fire lord like you have to kill him you have to end the threat for for peace to finally come about um, and he's he's a little kid at this point before he goes in the ice like he's he's given this huge weight of responsibility of you have to you have to master all of these these weapons these elements to to be, bring peace by killing someone um, and that's what leads him to run away is the weight of that responsibility. Um, but I, like for a kid show or like a quote unquote kid show to, to throw that at you right off the bat. And um, the, I think it was the storm episode that they really got into that, where it shows like he feels that tremendous amount of guilt and that weight of responsibility on him, which is why he he ran away, which is why he he hit in the ice for so long until he was discovered again um but like how like what do you think about the show tackling it that way like how do you, can you even think of another show that is or another source of content that has handled death from that context um
1: you know uh from that context I'm unsure. I'm sure there is another show that has done it, um, you know,
0: it. Or even like that overtly, at least, because like they were very clear of like, I ha- he has to do this so that he can kill it, and it's not just like so I can end the threat. Like they were very clear, you have to kill him.
1: It, it tackles. I think. I think the reason why maybe it's something we don't see a lot in our cultures because it is an ideal ideology of another culture um because pacifism you know people might say oh there's pacifism in the united states well you know it really comes from the the tibet um and just that peaceful nature uh and that's the thing about the last avatar is so great you get to you get to look at other cultures in a in a different way uh that's just so so beautiful you know I think they said it what is it like Japan is supposed to be kind of like, like fire nation is based off Japan the yeah. the earth kingdom parts of the earth kingdom are kind of based off China um mm-hmm. I think the water tribes are based off
0: native americans
1: Native Americans yeah uh and the air temples are based off like Tibet and stuff I think mm-hmm. there's another part of the world that's also based off like India and stuff but um Oh yeah, uh, yeah can,
0: the uh the guru that he spoke with Yes
1: Yes, yes, exactly yes says. Yes, good point um but I, I think i think that's it's such an interesting way it's been portrayed because we're just not used to that type of pacifism where it's not to kill someone and i like how the show did tackle it um and will tackle it because you're you're going through it again and you're j- just going into season three and i i i think the tackle the tackling of death seems to be you know it it's such a the the part of death in this world that's is kind of uh important is that everyone is affected by it in some way you know Aang lost Monkyatsu Katara and Sokka lost their mother uh uh Zuko lost his mother Iroh lost his son um I don't think Toph really has that but it's uh it it, it it's important to the story and it's it's kind of like one of those things where, like when is when is death when is there enough death when are there's enough dead bodies um and I guess that's the that what's that's what comes to the evolution of us uh in a later time is like when are we gonna be sophisticated and decide that maybe this thing is a little archaic or uh I just think it's interesting i I don't know how else to describe it I don't know if I'm hitting it from the right angle, but I find it very um in uh, in American culture to be very perverse, and the way this show does it it's quite
0: uh quite beautiful, yeah, and like not that they normalize death by any means, but they they introduce it and address it in a way that i I think is is a is a very healthy way of addressing it um and and shows like the reality of it and the weight of it um I mean like uh I think about like Jet, that their character Jet and his death scene, and I'm I'm talking a lot about season two just because I just watched it, um, but it and it's all real fresh. It's so good, um, but you have this character who for a while was it was a helper, was like a hero, and then he was revealed to be almost like a villain, and then um, he was brainwashed and used like a pawn to to manipulate the Avatar and his team, and. When he when he was finally able able to overcome that, he uh he was killed. And you watch as his his friends mourn for him and stand by his side to till his death, till his final moments. Um and I I just think it's beautiful in that like it it doesn't shy away from the realities of things of like that that it's painful and and it's real and you can't always predict it or expect it, but when it happens, um, you just, you want to be there with someone through their final moments. You want to be there for them to ease their pain as much as you can and protect them. Um, uh, I don't know, man, like it's, I, cause like I, well, I was reading an article about that today and, um, and just in dealing with like the creators of the show and, their interaction with the studio and like what they weren't and were allowed to do, and obviously with so much death being a part of this of this series and in this world, um, like how th- they were kind of talking about how they were um, dealing with the studio through all this and like what like I said like what they were and weren't allowed to do. Um, basically, they they weren't allowed to straight up say like death or died more than once or, I think, once or so um, per episode. Like, they couldn't really, like, hammer it um, or, like, beat a dead horse, for lack of a better phrase. Um, But they were allowed to allude to a character's death. Like, you couldn't see the moment where they died, but you could get, like, the right before and the right after so you could fully understand what happened without seeing, like, the brutality of the moment, Um, which I think is is a fair balance and that you still go through that experience with these characters, but it doesn't like desensitize anybody to what actually is happening to them.
1: Yeah. I, I think, I think because of that, it does put more weight on what death is because it's like, Oh my gosh, they've been captured, you know, in season one, who's, who dies? Like Zhao Zhao dies, right? Yeah. And then, or General or Admiral Zhao. I don't know. I forget what yeah, his title Yeah, Admiral
0: was. and then, um, uh, oh, oh, what is her name? Um, uh, the person who sacrificed herself to become the moon.
1: Uh, not Suki. It's the other one. No.
0: Um, but yeah, you know who I'm talking about.
1: I know. I But that uh, that's a little... UA. Oh, UA. UA. Yeah.
0: Sorry. It just came to me. What'd you
1: call me? No, I'm just
0: <laughs> What did UA call me? <laughs> there it is
1: yeah ua you yeah i think ua i think this the thing about the series you know how they tackle death is a little different but they do talk about in the way of the spirits which comes through ira which is really nice because it's once again you talk about taking this from a different angle that's taking it from a different angle it's like you don't want to upset the cyst, the spirits or the ancestors death is a natural part of life and you know hopefully one day we can be together with the spirits or something like that it, it it's about a lot of respect and it hits on a lot of eastern philosophy that's very nice so uh, i but i do understand that it is a rather um what's the word it's 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 not a very realistic view unfortunately you know mm-hmm. that in society there is a there is a lot of death there's a lot of terrible things there's sickness there's accidents there's uh there's revenge and and just intent to control and manipulate which the the story of avatar touches on very very lightly and that's the thing about avatar that i would say is something that draws it back is that it tackles these themes in such a innocent way that is digestible but it never hits on the realistic scale of it in in real life. That's the only downfall it has, and that's not even a bad thing. It's only so it's appealing to kids, which is good so kids can learn.
0: Yeah, and and even like as a near thirty year old man going back and watching this show, um, it it's written in a way that treats the the viewer with respect and treats the characters with with respect and like i mean for lack of a better phrase like it treats them like adults and uh it does like you said like it doesn't shy away from anything really um but it it, when you have the knowledge that you have as an adult that's been through some stuff like you you can appreciate it in a different context and you fully understand what the writers were trying to were trying to convey even if you didn't fully understand it as a kid watching it the first time um but yeah like uh so let let's actually talk talk about something a little bit lighter. Um, Segway. Like, <laughs> you brought it up, and and the idea of breaking these traditional gender roles, um, and I, like you said, like Katara is is a great example. Um, and I want to first kind of um, weave in a, a theory that I had read, and this I, I don't think it's like confirmed at all, but um, the theory that I had seen is that the reason why. Um, there aren't any waterbenders in the Southern Water Tribe where Sokka and Katara are from are because um, the Fire Nation knew or believed that Aang was dead and so that was the end of the air avatar and so they thought that a waterbender would be next um, and uh, basically they were hunting down any waterbenders they could find because they thought, well, we can just cut it off right here and we'll just we'll knock out the next one too we've already got one down we'll just knock out the next one so that's why it was so significant when Katara's mother lied about who she was by saying that she was a waterbender and not her daughter because she understood that that was a death sentence Um, and even if Katara didn't fully understand it at the time um, she was willing to sacrifice herself like that Um, but then for her to grow up and be this Expert waterbender eventually, and then, like you said, like go to the northern water tribe and hit this, uh, this like, um, cultural block basically of saying, No, women are meant to be healers, you're supposed to go and, um, for basically go stay in the kitchen, go follow your path that we've laid out for you. The men are going to be the warriors, we're going to be the ones that will fight, um, and then completely throw that back in their faces and just destroy all of the male students that this guy, this master had and earn the respect of this man who like, for his entire life had lived with that mindset. I, I think that's really powerful is that like, no matter how, no matter who you come up against, if you, if you earn someone's respect basically, like you can change their mind about anything. And if you prove to them that their way of thinking is just old-fashioned and wrong basically um you can you can bring them to a better mindset and you can teach someone to see everyone as equals and again like everything we're talking about it just feels like it applies to today
1: um however it that it goes back to my point which is the drawback is that although in very isolated incidents that is true unfortunately today it just doesn't translate to the larger scale um just because of gender inequality um inequality of just any kind that just you know whether you know it'd be oh because she's a woman or because they're black or because they're gay you know these are things we're fighting still today which is kind of you know crazy but you know not surprising if you read history it's quite scary um yeah. but uh, the the parallel is really great to see it be persevered but that once again it's a drawback of the story of this one of the only drawbacks to avatar the last airbender is that it is it is so isolated that it works and on the larger scale it just can't or or it's a, not that it can't it's just a lot a lot harder
0: yeah and I mean, to be honest, man, like, I tend to be an idealist in a lot of ways. And um, I don't know, man, like, this may be a really dumb comparison, but like, I think about Star Trek, and that they, it was this society where, like, you didn't, nobody earned any money, you all were striving towards the betterment of your, of, of everyone else around you. They were, they were all basically servants to each other, um, for the betterment of mankind. And I'd like to think that eventually we'll get to that point where um, gender doesn't hold anybody back, race doesn't hold anyone back, that we all see each other as equals and just want what's best for each other. And I mean, yes, that is very idealist and given today's current climate, not very realistic. But I think if more people had that mindset, it would get done a lot quicker than it's probably going to get done.
1: Well, I think, I think that it's great that you bring up Star Trek. Cause it, correct me if I'm wrong. Isn't Star Trek credited with the first interracial kiss? Um, I think... It's between Kirk and... Is it Uhura? Or whatever?
0: Uh, Uhura. Yeah. Uhura? Um, I think I remember seeing that it, it happened in some other kind of medium before that. But that was, like, the first, like, major television... Um, the first major television show to do it yeah um i i i know there's something else that i i remember seeing but yeah like that was the that was the big one um the big one (laughs) yeah so you had this kind of like sci-fi kind of show really pushing the boundaries in modern culture um and i don't know maybe like maybe this is a renaissance for those types of ideas of um not really accepting where the world is at right now, but striving to be something better than that.
1: Yeah, it's striving to be something better and bringing it back to Avatar. um, When we talk about the gender bias and the, the determination, as much as I do like um, Katara's struggle, the thing is that her arc, she's always very motherly so for her to be strong like you know mothers are are strong yes mothers are very strong and I think that her arc is something that is is not surprising it's very nice it's really great Uh, but I think the one that is the most surprising and rather the one that is kind of jarring I would say for American audiences is Toph because as a woman she's short and looks weak she's blind but at the same time she's like extremely boisterous like she's or boisterous is the wrong she's extremely loud and she's hard headed and she attacks everything from the front she's always laughing yelling she's she wants to scheme people in season 3 which is awesome like Mm -hmm. you talk about something that is the opposite of the gender role and it's tough and she has a shield that she has in her, just her body itself. Where it's like when you, it's the, the don't judge a book by its cover. And that's tough. Her arc is as much as I like guitars. I like Toff's a little bit better because it, it breaks down more constructs. And, uh, I do, I do appreciate that. Um, I do, I do appreciate it a little bit more. Uh, compared to Katara's arc, Katara's arc um, because we've we've seen certain we've seen uh, things like Qatar before, but Toph is, I feel, a little bit different. Uh, and I know like there's friends in high school where we're talking about Avatar, and they're like women who just. Uh, who watched the show who were just like gosh Toph is such a badass and and you talk to <laughs> you talk to your boys and they'd be like god she's such a badass like it, it's a universal love despite such a, an odd pairing um it's it, it, it's uh it's it's i'm not saying Toph is better but it's one that i find more fascinating
0: yeah and and I remember seeing one of the episodes, they have a little side adventure where Toph and Katara go off and have like a little spa day or whatever. And as they're leaving- Oh no. I I remember that one. Yeah. Yeah. So like as they're leaving that, they're going across this bridge and this other group of girls walks by and makes fun of the way that Toph looks. And up until that point, you're right. Like you see this just rigid person who's always confident, who knows who she is. And um, in that moment following that Toph- kind of becomes vulnerable and reveals to Katara, like yeah but i'm blind i don't know how i look and i there's just that that unknowingness um and she reveals that kind of vulnerability and um like the depth of how she actually feels um and then she follows it up with i don't care though yeah she's like it's so great she like she knows who she is and despite what some people see as a limitation, she uses that to her advantage, and you're right. Like becomes like the greatest Earthbender in the world, and um, turns sees every challenge as as a tool that she can use to better herself. And yeah, like I, there's just at least in my eyes, like even when you think about like Suki, and she's like this straight up warrior uh, in in her culture, following uh, after like Avatar Kyoshi. Um like there are just no poorly written characters or female characters in my eyes, um in the entire show. Like nobody seems to be like a stereotype, nobody seems to be pigeonholed into a corner, like everybody rises to their own challenges in their life and overcomes them and can be an inspiration to somebody out there watching the show. I think I think my is the most stereotyped,
1: only because it's like oh you know she's very brooding. She's like oh I don't care. It's like I think of it kind of like, um, like my sister. You know it's just like teen to teenage, teenage like girl who just doesn't care. This was back in like the early two thousands. Maybe not now. You know the kind of level of of that is. But it was like brooding, always rebellious kind of thing, and even that they played it from a level of understanding or you know uh you know people say emo but i think it's more it's different than that but my Mai, my's kind of uh nonchalant and kind of uh uninterested tone kind of hits with like youths and you know like people who are younger in a way it's just like oh, i don't care about that i don't want to do that but it takes it from a perspective of like no one ever asks my hey how do you feel because they don't want to ask you know because yeah. of her her demeanor and stuff and it kind of is like a it's kind of like a uh what is it called like a loophole really or it's just like oh you know you're brooding and uninterested yeah i'm not gonna ask you anything and maybe the only thing that Mai wants is like i would really love for zuko to ask me how i feel about this because he assumes i don't feel it's like yeah. god you idiot
0: <laughs> but even that like implies emotional depth that it may not be that prevalent Within that character on on screen, but like there is there's another layer to her of like she wants someone that she cares about to want to know about her, um, and like I think about like Parks and Rec, I think about the April character, and oh that yeah, yeah, like she was a bit more brooding and um, kind of off putting at some points, but um, to those that she let in, she was much more open and vulnerable with um i think it's that same kind of character of on the outside yeah she may put up a little front of not caring and apathy but in the end she wants someone to care enough to try and dig deeper and she wants somebody to earn her emotional um affection yeah Um, i'm
1: not i'm not not saying that i'm just saying of all the characters who are kind of painted into a corner at the time when that show is coming out Mai is kind of that but they give her depth in a way it's like oh you know all these people who go to Hot Topic—they do have feelings. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, it's just like, it's still like the writers of the show still tackle. It's just like, what? Let's give this this character. Let's mirror this character after how people feel, but like also dive into like the Zuko romance to open them up and for you to understand where they're coming from. I love what the writers did. Nickelodeon, you freaking suck. You were terrible <laughs> as a network. You stifled them. You stifled Legend of Korra. The worst. Nickelodeon sucks.
0: Well, so since even though
1: it's... I watched most of my cartoons on Nickelodeon,
0: <laughs> I mean, that, yeah, that was like the defining network of that and cartoon network. But anyways, um, so one thing I've been kind of th- theorizing about or whatever and, and thinking about is so they, they have these two Avatar shows. Um, I've been kind of thinking of like a pitch for a next, the like a third series. in this Oh my God, do you here. want my pitch? Well, okay. Do you want to go first or you want me to?
1: I, I want to go because I've had this pitch for a long time.
0: Okay, you go first. I'll go next.
1: Okay, so. Uh, so Avatar and Legend of Korra. Legend of Korra goes more into the spirit world, which I really appreciate. So. Uh, my pitch, that I had this for a while, and I haven't refined it in a long time, it's been maybe six years since I thought about refining it, but what happens is uh, there's the new avatar and all of the crazy technology kind of propels them into the new world, there's a spirit portal, and so what happens is, is that they do an exp- an expedition to go into the spirit world and to learn more about it, but they have like like, kind of like uh, the uh Atlantis where they have like this big technology driven like raft or whatever or something to go into the spirit world and they go into it and you know they're just kind of checking out looking at what it is the new avatar some of the the brightest minds and, and strongest benders of the of the world and they stumble upon a portal farther away and and they they find notes of Korra and Asami and their journey along the way and when they get to this portal they're transported to a another another world similar to avatar but instead of it being like asian culture it's nordic culture so you get this clash of like a, a, another bending style too so uh think of like pandora from avatar like that's where they come up in the spirit world and they go down to the actual land the the bottom of this of this different world and it's more of like a pangea than an archipelago compared to the avatar world Mm -hmm. and you know there's the the world where the like the vikings are kind of like weird airbenders you know like kind of wild and stuff like that um and just there's other factions too that know how to water bend uh but there's and there's earthbenders but in this world there's no firebenders so okay. like you can make a fire, but there's no firebenders. And it turns out like in this world there's water, air, earth, but instead of fire, it's the bending of spirits. And this and the the, the bending of spirits is is particularly like given to a, a different culture farther away from all these other cl- smaller Vikingish clans that are fighting. And this other faction that does the spirit bending is is supposed to mirror Egyptian culture because in Egyptian times they had slaves build everything. And so they bend people's spirits to be like kind of slaves. And with the introduction of this, of this avatar, which is supposed to be the fire bending, uh, avatar, it, it becomes he kind of meets up and it goes through the story to defeat these spirit benders who go out on parties and bring people to build their monoliths and crazy stuff. And, uh,
0: yeah, that's my pitch. Okay, okay. The I forgot one, so
1: much of my pitch too. The, oh, I feel terrible.
0: The one thing I would say is that the next avatar in the sequence is an earthbender, because it was Roku, then Aang, then Korra, and then an earthbender would be next. You know what?
1: Yep. I think I messed up. I think I messed up the wrong bending is gone i think air bending is no air bending's not gone
0: maybe earth it's water bending.
1: bending i think fire bending is gone there's one of the bendings is gone and it's replaced with the spirit bending but anyways okay. i digress go ahead give me your pitch john
0: okay okay so we've got Aang. we've got katara so obviously the not not katara korra so obviously the next bender like we just said would, would be an earth bender but with korra and asami going into the spirit world um time and aging works differently there. So for them to stay in that world means that they're in there for basically like an indeterminate amount of time. Um, and we've had a time jump from the first series to the second one where the world has advanced this tremendous amount and it's going into the Industrial Revolution basically aspect of it all. Um, so while Core while is in the spirit world, time moves on. The world doesn't have an avatar. It doesn't need an avatar. It goes and it thrives on its own. Um, and benders, the 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 art of bending, basically starts to die off. Um, fewer and fewer benders are born every year, and the world doesn't need benders to survive because um, because of the industrial revolution, you have firearms becoming more prevalent. Um, You have cars and boats and planes that make travel more accessible, the world becomes much smaller and interconnected, kind of like ours has. So after a period of time, um, Korra finally decides to be at rest and be at peace, and she passes on. And so the Avatar cycle continues and produces an Earthbender, who is one of the few benders left in the world. Um, But for them to Come to this realization about who they are and what they do. They slowly start to figure out what their role as an avatar would be, but it's met with this met. It's it's juxtaposed with a world that doesn't have a need for for someone in that role. So it's it's to me it would be it would be really interesting to have like a a modern world that is so technologically driven that um, so interconnected to come to p- put that up against and um, compare that to this avatar who is this like basically representative of like this ancient culture trying to find their own place in the world as an earthbender um, when you really don't need earthbenders or any kind of bender. So it's them forging their own new identity and redefining what the avatar is supposed to mean. And maybe, maybe help bringing peace in another type of war. Um, but seeing someone as an earthbender who maybe can't even metal bend, surrounded by metal in, in cities and with technology that is so foreign to their abilities as, as an avatar that it challenges this idea of who they're supposed to be. And, um, and really, they can't even rely on Korra to help because she is so unfamiliar with the world that she can only be there as a spiritual guide not really as like a as a bending or ability guide very nice very
1: nice also i remembered the part of mine um i took it from classical uh greek cultures where they also believed in four elements and the later would be they believed in a fifth element called ether okay okay and that's what I believe to do the spirit bending and I, I can't and like the fighting styles of the Vikings and the different factions barbarians and stuff is supposed to be like their version of like water uh, bending it wasn't fire that I got rid of it was earth I got rid of okay that I'm and, and, like after looking I was like I know I looked this up somewhere and I was like oh yeah I got rid of earth bending <laughs> because it reminded me of Gaia. And they're like you know, you know, Gaia is the Earth, and I was just like, it's different in the elemental world of Greece, uh, Greeks. At least in some accounts, for the most part, there's four elements, but I always thought of Gaia being Mother Earth, is something a little bit more sacred, and that's why I got rid of earth bending in that world. But anyways, hmm. um, I like your integration of core back into it and bringing back. Uh, and how it is played because mine takes place after Kor is definitely dead.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, and to be honest, they would have to be for another Avatar to come about. But that's how the cycle works. But yeah, man, I, I like. I know they haven't really talked about it, and they're doing the whole live action remake of it right now. But I, I hope that eventually they they do a third one, and they just. I don't want them to like. Beat it to the ground or anything but i i think there's like a really rich creative world to dig into and that because you have these you can have like time jumps um and you can like like you were suggesting like exploring other worlds and other cultures and their influences on on bending i think you have a lot of options you could you could take um and it leads for some really interesting storytelling but who knows maybe maybe we'll see it maybe we won't um
1: yeah yeah we can we can only hope that it doesn't become the dumpster fire that was the m night Shyamalan's avatar which they're totally distancing the creators are totally like no it's not gonna be anything like that
0: yep yep so thankful for that really needed them to audibly say that because it would make me worried um but yeah, so that's that's the show. Thank you guys for listening. Um, we'll be back next week. Chris will be back at the helm. And we will talk to you guys then. Thanks. Bye, guys. Bye.